We're in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. On one occasion, while a crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Here ends the Bible reading. As we begin, allow me to pray for us. Lord, through the study of your word this morning, help us to know you more, to love you more, and to desire to serve you more. Amen. Morning, everyone. Uh, If we haven't had the chance of meeting before, Excuse me. My name is uh, Johnny. I'm a member uh, of our congregation here. And this morning, uh, I'm going to be helping us to think about this passage uh, from Luke's Gospel. I don't know if you've ever seen a film previously where the conclusion, the final scene, just completely transforms your perception of everything that went before. I was trying to think of a, a good example of this, but conscious that I didn't want to spoil something recent. So my example... Uh, is a bit of a classic from 1999, so I figure if you wanted to see this film and haven't yet, it's your fault, not mine. Uh, it's the film The Sixth Sense uh, that stars Bruce Willis. Uh, apologies now, as I'm going to spoil the film. Uh, the film tells the story of Bruce Willis, who is a, a kind of a psychologist for children, and he's working with this child in particular who can see he believes dead people. In the final scene of the film, you get the kind of revelation that turns out that Bruce Willis is actually dead. And it completely transforms and makes you look at the whole rest of the film in a whole new light. You know, so often, isn't it, that the ending of a story is the thing that makes the biggest difference to our perception of it. I know certainly when you speak to new mums, for example, it's that incredible emotional connection that they remember, that they talk about rather than everything that went before. And actually, I think as we look at our passage today in Luke's Gospel, we find that this is a story that does exactly the same thing. It's an incredible story made even more incredible by its conclusion. A story where the ending casts everything that's gone before in a brand new light and with a whole new meaning. And in doing so, I hope that we're going to be challenged today to faithful obedience to Jesus' call on Peter and on us. 
Over the past week, uh, our young people have been in the church as part of Holiday Club investigating different stories in Luke's Gospel under that heading, Luke the Detective. And in many ways, that's a really helpful summary or, or idea to have in our head about what Luke was doing in his Gospel. He interviewed a host of eyewitnesses to the life of Christ. Then he writes up his conclusions in this Gospel as a letter to a guy called Theophilus and to us. If we just flick back, we see in the first four chapters, he gives us the most detailed account of Jesus' nativity and his early life before then what we might call Jesus' ministry starts for good in Luke 4. If you just look back to Luke 4, 43 there, you see Jesus saying, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. I was sent for this purpose. You see that sense of urgency of Jesus and his desire to share the kingdom. That then takes us to our story that we've seen this morning in Luke 5. Let's take a quick look over the key points of the story. Firstly, Jesus' ministry of preaching and healing, it's receiving such an incredible audience that actually the land can't hold it. He needs to head out on a boat onto the lake, also known as the Sea of Galilee, so he can speak to everybody. When he's there, he sees Simon Peter with his brothers and others, and they're coming back after a night of fishing. And in whatever the Hebrew version of teaching your granny to suck eggs is, the once carpenter, now preacher, tells the fishermen to get back out there and fish some more. But yet, in fact, this does lead to fish. It leads to an incredible, miraculous catch of fish. A catch so great, in fact, that they need to call and get a whole new boat out to help them. Just if I ended there, that is an incredible story, isn't it? There's so much we can take out of just that story on its own. You've got crowds who are just so desperate to hear the word of God that Jesus has to improvise so that everybody can hear. We've got Jesus showing this incredible, God-given insight into the ways of nature. Why? Because he created nature. It's incredible. But in fact, the whole story then takes on this whole brand new light in light of this final interaction between Simon Peter and Jesus at the end of today's passage. Simon Peter is amazed by Jesus' power. He is rightfully fearful of him. In verse 8, he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. To which Jesus responds at the end, uh, at the end of verse 10, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. With that statement, Jesus transforms Simon Peter's life, reveals something incredible about the way the kingdom of God will be shared. It won't just be simply through Jesus' words and actions. Instead, it will also be through the words and actions of Jesus' followers. And likewise with that statement, Jesus transforms our perception of everything that went before in the story as well as all those incredible things we noticed before. There's even more. In fact, everything that has gone previously, that incredible, miraculous catch, is intended to show what Jesus' followers should do and who they are to be as they do it. One quick point of reference before we get into the kind of the meat of the passage. Uh, the word catching that's used here, we might have heard before as being fishers of men. And obviously with them being fishermen, there's something that's quite attractive about that picture, but there's something that's a little bit kind of wonky, something that's a little bit missing in that picture. Because fishing, fundamentally, 
involves taking something from life to death. But actually, what Simon Peter is being called to do is the complete opposite. Now, instead, the word catching that's used here is more like a picture of rescue. Imagine someone reaching out a hand to someone as they're falling down a cliff. It's instead taking someone from death to life. The task that Simon has been given is one of rescue. And that mission of catching or or rescuing men is something that's been handed down from generation to generation, from Simon Peter to every generation to us in the church today. Therefore, it's only right, isn't it, that we look carefully at this passage to find out what we can about how we complete this great task that we've been set. We can almost see this story as Jesus' how-to guide of catching men. So our three points for us today. Firstly, that the catchers of men need to be obedient to Christ's command. Let's dig into this passage a bit more. We begin uh, in verse uh, chapter 5 here. Jesus teaching a great crowd from a boat by the side of a lake that we probably know more commonly as the Sea of Galilee. From the response of Simon in verse 5, we can maybe take that it's early in the morning. These guys have been out all night fishing without any success. You wonder what they're fishing when, sorry, what they're thinking even, when Christ commands them to head back out there and fish some more. But evidently, they must have heard something of what Christ has said, because Simon Peter is moved to obey. He obeys his command, saying, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. I wonder if we ever feel like Simon Peter does there, like we've been toiling all night in the service of Jesus. Especially when we place this story into the context of trying to speak of Jesus with others. Certainly for me, this immediately casts my mind to friendships and relationships where years of prayer and years of talking, years of toiling all night, it feels like, has led to no fruit yet. I think of Nick from the hockey club who's done a whole uncover course or friends like Jonathan or Dan who time and time again fail and flail as they search for the meaning that only Christ can give. This story should be of great encouragement to me and it should be great encouragement to us, to weary people like us because despite all of that, Jesus still commands us to let down our nets I know I'm certainly guilty of finding excuses not to speak of others, speak to others of Jesus. You know, I think, what if they find it offensive or think that in some way I'm judging them? I've tried speaking to that person before. It went nowhere. It's not my gifting. When we look at Simon Peter here at first, we see similar excuses here, don't we? Uh, This place, Jesus, it's definitely out of fish. I've been fishing all night, I'm exhausted. Yet rather than just pitching him overboard and ignoring him, finding someone else more keen to do the job, Jesus accepts and uses that obedience, that that willful obedience that Peter's just able to squeeze out for his purposes. And what happens when the nets are, are let down? An incredible catch swim in. A catch so incredible, in fact, that the nets are breaking and a second boat is needed. It seemed completely hopeless, but instead is completely unprecedented, completely unexpected. 
and it stems from the words and power of Jesus. Words that have that unique power because of who he is. I think this picture of uh, catching men or, or sharing the gospel or evangelism or whatever we want to call it as letting down our nets is a really helpful one for us to take away today. Certainly too often I'm guilty of thinking of evangelism or or talking about Jesus. It's almost like a six-point script that I have to get down in the perfect order, in the perfect way, without interruption. And um, there might be a time and place for that, but that doesn't really seem to match with what's going on in the passage, does it? Instead, it seems to imply being ready to make the most of every opportunity giving people the chance to respond to the gospel. For me, this challenges me to make Christ such a part of my everyday conversation that people can't tell the difference between my normal chat and my Christ chat. It challenges us to give people the opportunity to swim right up to the net. For example, by asking them questions about where they find their meaning and their purpose, about where they find their direction and hope for life. It challenges me to let my nets down day in, day out with those that I encounter, hoping that someone will swim into that net. If they swim away, we carry on and try again the morning after. Christ commands us to let our nets down with others, to join Simon Peter in the task of catching men, of participating in this incredible job of taking people from death to life. Having started his ministry, pulling people into this task along with him, he does exactly the same at the end of his ministry. At the start of the book of Acts, in his final command to his followers, he tells them to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How good it is that the ends of the earth includes Newcastle, includes Benwell. We're pulled into this incredible task to play our part in the spread of the gospel of bringing a multitude of people, just like there was a multitude of fish, to come to know the life-saving, life-changing message of Christ. Are we willing to be obedient to that command? Just like Peter, we have our excuses. The situation, the timing, our hearts are never perfect. But as we see in this story, when we obey Christ's command, incredible things can happen. Secondly, let's see how catchers of men approach Christ with humility. Look down with me to verse six. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. Their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help him. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This incredible catch has happened, an incredible achievement. In some ways, you might think of Simon Peter and his crack team of fishermen heading back down the beach now, uh, sun glowing through their hair, high-fiving each other, shouting to everyone, Did you see our catch, guys? Aren't we amazing? Walking down that beach in slow motion as the crowds all clap and they cheer, or not. Instead, Simon Peter's reaction is one of complete humility. Simon Peter's close encounter with Christ makes him so painfully aware 
of how he falls short of Christ's standards, that he wants no part of it. He pleads, depart from me. He's saying, get away, Lord. Do, do you not know who I am? Do you not realize how messed up I am? How, how underqualified I am? Lord, I am a sinful man. And it's right that Simon Peter should feel that way, isn't it? It's right that in the presence of Jesus, we should feel that way. When confronted by that blinding, bright light of Christ's perfection, our many, many errors, our sinfulness is made plain. In reality, we have no choice but to be humble in front of Christ. But in fact, the call of Christ should give us humble confidence for the task that he gives us of being catchers of men. Humble because we recognize our many imperfections and many errors. Humble because we know that by our own means we could achieve nothing. Lord knows, we've been out fishing all night with no success. Humble because we recognize how far greater Christ's words and Christ's power is, far, far greater than ours. Yet confident because despite all of this, all of the reasons that Christ has to say no to call us to this task. Yet he does. He calls us to the task that he has appointed us to. We can be confident because we're sent not with our own words to share, but the word of God, the word of Christ, a word that has the unexpected, unprecedented power, not just only to call fish into a net, but the power to call hearts to him. Confident because Christ leaves us with the Holy Spirit. When we jump back to the book of Acts, uh, our disciples, as they are left with that command of Jesus to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, they're not left on their own. Instead, he promises them the Holy Spirit to give them the presence of God with them. And he gives it to us to equip us with the power and the confidence to speak. We saw that same pattern played out this morning in our Old Testament reading from the book of Isaiah, didn't we? Uh, as he is called into the incredible presence of God in a spectacular way, just like Peter, Isaiah's mind is filled with his own faults. He cries out, woe is me, I am lost, a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. But just like Simon Peter, just like Isaiah, just like us, God continues to use him for his purposes. After his mouth is touched, his life is changed by God's presence. He is ready to go about the task sent out for him. He cries out, here I am, send me. Let that be our call too this morning. It's a little bit like turning up for a game of football, say the Thursday night game of football that Bryn organizes naturally. Uh, certainly I do. I look around immediately to try and work out who's going to be on my team and you kind of work out uh, how's my chances this evening. You know, you look around, you see there's one green shields on your team, you know, that's bad news. You know, two green shields on your team, you're definitely going to lose. Uh, but you look up to find out who's on your team and who's there. It's the man himself, Lionel Messi. He's just casually in the corner doing keep-ups. He's got his bib on. He's ready to go. To play with a great man, it's an honor. It's incredible. You're playing with the world's best. And maybe at the end of the game, you shake his hand. You maybe even go for blackcurrant lemonade afterwards. 
But ultimately, you go home, you go to bed, and the next morning you wake up with great memories, but fundamentally unchanged. I wonder if too often that's a picture for how we think about encounter with Jesus. We meet him at church, but go home unchanged. Or we meet him in his word, but it doesn't make any difference to the rest of our life. That couldn't be just any different, could it, to Peter's encounter with Christ here, as this encounter transforms his whole life. He's not called to go and fish just as a hobby, but as a way of life. As lastly, catchers of men should follow Christ with their whole heart. We've seen today how Simon Peter's imperfect obedience, his genuine humility, mark him out as someone ready to be a catcher, a rescuer of men. Let's get back into the last chunk of the story now to see our final point, how he is willing to follow Christ with a whole heart. Let's pick up our story in verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. In my mind, at this point of the story, Simon Peter's maybe slumped on his knees in front of Jesus. He's poured his heart out, as we saw before. But again, rather than turning him away, Jesus takes away Simon Peter's paralyzing doubts with the words, do not be afraid. And instead, transforms his life, his mission, his purpose with the words, from now on, you will be catching men. And just how true that proved to be in the life of Simon Peter. Just a couple of months ago, we saw uh, in home groups how uh, the incredible story of Pentecost, a multitude of men rather than fish were caught, rescued to life by the spirit-inspired words of Peter. Earlier on, we saw how Jesus' words have such incredible authority that he knows more about fishing than fishermen. Well, here we see how Jesus' words have power and authority to transform the hearts of men. They bring their boats to land, they leave all things behind and follow him. It gives us an incredible, incredible picture, doesn't it, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus' him, making him more valuable to us than anything and everything else. Elsewhere, Paul describes this in his letter to the Philippians as counting everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. But yet, what a challenging thing this is for us to read and hear this morning. How difficult it is to count everything else as loss when so often the things of the world seem so real and present, so attractive. Does it mean that we too, like Simon Peter and, and James and John did, do we need to, to walk away from families, from jobs? In some ways, that's an impossible question to answer in a short talk. But however, we need to know that counting all as lost does mean that if we're faced with a choice between Christ and anything else. We must choose Christ. And in our dealings with everything else, we've got to do so in ways that seek to bring us closer to Christ. 
To do this is not of this world, is it? It's strange, it's different, but it's also attractive to the world. How many doors have been opened and will be opened in future for conversations about Jesus by members of our congregation due to their distinctive and different attitude to the events of life and their desire to put Christ first. Illness, success, failure, misery, joy, all handled in such a way as to put Jesus first. I must come to a close, but, but one point I'd just love to uh, leave us with as we set this passage into the context of such an exciting week for our church family. It's really striking to me that in an instant in this story, Simon Peter becomes both a follower of Christ and a catcher, a rescuer of others for Christ. You know, there's no six-part training course that he is sent on to be ready for this new job. He's just set straight in there, let loose on others. No learning of the ropes. He's just cast straight in there. In fact, it doesn't matter, does it, if this is day 10,001 of your Christian walk or just day one, you're given this task too, to join this great catch, this great rescue of others by telling them about Jesus. And how exciting is that in the light of everything that's gone on here this week? of young people, many for the very first time, hearing stories of Christ taught to them. What incredible conversations could be taking place in schools and in homes this week as children and their parents share what they've learned about Jesus, the great rescuer. As a congregation, let's be praying for a ripple effect, a Mexican wave through our community this week as many more people hear of the good news of Christ. Let's pray for many hearts to be rescued for eternity as a result of what's taken place in this building this week. And let's be ready to play our part, ready to play our part in our friendships, our relationships in our workplaces, in our families and communities by seeking to imitate Simon Peter's example of obedience, of humility, and of wholeheartedly following Christ. Just allow me to pray for us as we close. Father God, we thank you for your words. Help us to be ready to play our part in the job of catching men for you, Lord. Help us to be ready to be obedient to you, to be humble yet confident before you, and to wholeheartedly follow you in all we do. Amen.